Welcome, pudding people, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We're your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. Together again. That's right. Back in studio. In the same studio, even. Yes. There was a room, and uh, there's two seats, <laughs> and there are people in those two seats. And some acoustic paneling to uh, cover all of the walls. Yes. Um, I could yell sideways and no one's going to hear what's going to happen. That's right. If I need to, you know, do some bad things, <laughs> you make me angry and look out. No one's going to hear. Uh, I still have carpet, so we got to watch that. Oh, yes. Don't want to make that dirty. Yep. So we are back with another movie review this week, uh, keeping on with a, a series of them that we've been doing recently because there's been a lot of new stuff to kind of go over, and this one's actually a comic book film. Wow. Just, well, yes. Well, um. <laughs> in a manner of speaking. Um, not like the Spider-Man film that we finally got to and reviewed, which you know was you know a culmination of uh, some bad timing and... <laughs> Yeah, circumstances. That's right. So this time we're going to be reviewing Morbius out from Sony Pictures in theaters now. Um, so we're going to do this a little bit differently. Uh, we're still going to start the same. We're going to start with the um, spoiler-free section, whether you should see it in the theaters, whether you should wait to get it on a streaming service, whether you should get it on disc or just ignore it altogether. Uh, and then we will go into the actual scoring process where you can get up to 100 points through multiple categories. Uh, and then we'll just kind of, you know, give you that score. Now, the difference is uh, only one of us has seen this film. <laughs> and it ain't me. <laughs> but, you know, it. It's all right. You know, it's one of those things that's going to happen sometimes, and uh, this is this is why there are two of us, so we can kind of handle this instance. There are so many films, we can't all watch all of them. So let us begin. Spoiler free. Uh, if you are a massive fan of this character, you absolutely should not see it in the theaters. Uh, probably not see it on streaming either. Um, you will be disappointed. Uh if you are a comic book fan in general, uh, same kind of advice. Uh, if you are just kind of a passing fan and you just want something kind of mindless to watch, that's kind of actiony and sort of supernaturally and sort of kind of comic booky. Okay, yeah, I still wouldn't see it in the theater. I'd wait for a streaming service for that one. Maybe rent it for a dollar. Maybe. Um, it's it's that kind of film. Um, now, obviously, there are going to be people that are going to disagree. If you loved Venom, eh, this may be the film for you. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of the path that I'm talking about. Because, you know, it takes all tastes. But now we're going to get into it. We're actually going to uh, go into the minutia. We're going to talk about the cast, the director, the costuming and props, location, cinematography, plot and writing, and any bonus points I feel like throwing its way now the way that we're going to put this together we usually start with like the director and the cast and then we go through in, in that kind of order that i gave you we're going to stick plot right after casting and director since my esteemed colleague has not seen it yet we're going to see what he thinks should have happened and then i'm going to tell him whether those things actually happened yay 
But let's let's start with the stuff that we can all talk about. Let's talk about the director, Mr. Daniel Espinoza, uh, who is known for such films as Child 44, Safe House, Snob a Cash. If you are not familiar with these films, you would be like us. <laughs> Wait, let's look at Safe House. Was Safe House the one with um, one of our favorite actors? It was. It is. Yes. It is. Um, it's got, got two of them. Two of them, yeah. Denzel in it. Uh, I remember watching this movie. I remember thinking this movie's okay. And that's about it. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like he doesn't have some experience. Obviously he does. Um, I'm not real familiar with his stuff coming into it, so I had no expectations. So it's a nice blank slate. Well... In terms of this movie, I feel like this is one that got, like a lot of movies, got pushed back and pushed back. But this yep. one seemed to have gotten pushed back more so than some of the other ones. It did. There's a lot of developmental issues. So it's been done by all sense of the imagination, just sitting on the shelf. Now, uh, this past weekend, I sent Ken a text message with a picture that said... <laughs> This is the lowest, lowest rated, second lowest rated uh, Marvel movie. And we're talking about maybe from the year 2000 on year 1999 on. Not necessarily before that when there were other Marvel movies that weren't that great. But it it was reviewed so bad. Uh, I was wondering if he had seen it. So I said a little capture of that headline. Yeah. Now, reviews don't always match up no, right, with no. your tastes and your likes and your sensibilities. But when the when the conglomeration of the scores is like a 5.4 out of 10 stars, there's a, some sense of agreement on how bad it is. The last time I checked, as of this recording on the 6th of April, um, Rotten Tomatoes, I believe, had it at 16%. Woo! Yeah. It's uh, a little rough on that scoring now, but still, I mean, like you said, it, it could be one of those things. I tried to give it as even a shot as possible, so I didn't want to go in with any expectations other than the fact that I knew Sony was taking care of it with no real oversight from the MCU people, none, none of the Marvel people really directly involved. So I already knew that there was a much higher chance that they were not going to give it the attention and well, attention is not they were not going to have the same understanding of the character and of the history and have that same kind of touch that the marvel studios would it's just not going to happen yeah there's there seems to be a lack of oh sensibility in a sense like okay so this is a character we'll do this character however we want to do this character with no basis other than the name and this is what the character looks like yeah um, now we're basing that off of venom right right mostly and then the carnage movie that I still haven't seen um, and we were debating we were talking about it earlier whether it was worth me paying three dollars to even rent the movie and I thought about it for a few minutes I was like no it doesn't it's not worth three bucks to rent that movie. So mm, it's just disappointing because when I was younger and really was starting to get into comic books and collected a few, I actually had a Morbius number one comic book and I had 
Spider-Man comic books that have all of these fun characters in it. And I watched the Spider-Man cartoon on Fox Kids that had this character and so many others in it that it's just so disappointing when some of these things finally make an appearance and the appearance is less than spectacular. Yeah. So when coming back to the director side of things, uh, the director is responsible for kind of making sure that his vision of whatever it is comes across. Now, that's not an entirely fair expectation when large studios are involved. A lot of times they have a, a direct impact on it, especially if this is languished and changed hands multiple times in terms of writing and all that. That's much more difficult. But it still it still comes through that it seems like – I mean, okay, so – okay, here's a good example. Not every set of care, uh, actors are going to have chemistry, Right. Correct. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But generally through a combination of the casting department and the director and the actors work themselves, for the most part, they're going to gel. There was no chemistry in this film at all. And that's the, but it goes back to what you said. Uh, the director's got his hand, his or her hand in everything. Right. 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 I'm I'm wondering, can we take a peek here? Does he have a writing credit for this particular film? Well, he has three writing credits. Not for this. Not for this. Okay. So really he was given this right this set of constraints and said, make it work. And he probably didn't have a lot, you know, whether it was from the budget, whether it was from the script. Um I'm sure he had some say in the collection of actors that were presented, but you know, like Jared Leto was probably like, this is the person that you're going to get for it. Right. Like, take it or leave it. So, yeah. And and there's been some interviews that I've seen that, that this has affected him to a certain extent. Um, and I, I, I'm not terribly surprised. And I can't, you cannot lay all of this on him for sure. Um, and even if you could, We've said this time and again, even the absolute worst movie in your opinion, whoever you are, myself included, I always try and remember this is a monumental task to create this piece of, uh, well, essentially art, uh, no matter how you want to take it, whether it's art you like or art you don't. This, this massive undertaking is a lot of effort. I just don't think that that he had an impact on it that was necessarily positive, at least from the way that I, I saw it. And it may not have been that he could have. So I can't really, I can't really blame him. I, I, I will lay this at the feet of the studio all day long. Well, we kind of have that track record in a certain sense. Now, you know, long ago there were Sony pictures, Spider-Man, Spider-Man movies that were pretty successful. Oh yeah. Um, well, to a certain extent, to a certain point. Right. Right. And then when we when we got the uh, Sandman, Venom, Spider-Man, that's when we kind of started to see things go the wrong way. So we, yeah. we knew they're not always going to be winners, but we also saw the success that when Marvel had their hands in the property, when Sony said, okay, you do it, but we want some of the money still. Marvel's able to make a fantastic product. Right. And 
ultimately i i i think what we're going to run into is they're just going to if if these movies keep making any money sony's just going to keep making oh, yeah. the same piles of garbage and keeps cranking them out yep yeah so i think out of 20 on a director sense i'm going to give this an 11 uh this is the first film of his that i've seen i didn't think it turned out pretty well and i have to think that at least some of that had to do with the editing which i kind of put into director uh the directorial side of thing and also just not being able to make something out of somebody else's pile of <laughs> steaming garbage yeah <laughs> unfortunately let's move on to the uh cast now this is an area where it was pretty good really in terms of the names i mean now jared leto is somebody that's kind of a a, a take it or leave it for a lot of people um i mean he he got a lot of potentially rightly felt anger from his behind the scenes stuff that he did with the suicide squad when he was on that. And I don't think anybody, well, I can't say anybody, but a lot of people did not like his take on the Joker myself included. Um, but you know, as an actor in general, I usually like him. Yeah, he does some good things. And, and if I'm not mistaken, he's, known to really get into these characters too so he'll take them seriously and kind of build himself into that character pretty heavily yeah um that doesn't mean makes it good but it just means he's putting the effort forth at least right uh they got matt smith to play the lead villain matt smith generally pretty awesome and pretty much everything i've seen him in um I'm not a huge Doctor Who fan, but the episodes that I've watched that he was the Doctor were entertaining. Um, in the other uh, films that I've seen him in, he's in the other shows, he's been pretty solid. I mean, all around. he's He understands how to emote, how to connect with the audience. D does pretty well there. I'm a little bit more of a 1970s Doctor Who person myself. Well, you know, it is. I haven't seen it since then. I know nothing about the characters. Uh, Adria Ar Arjona, I hope I'm saying that correctly, uh, plays uh, one of the doctors slash love interests. Um, not really super familiar with her work. Um, She's been in quite a few things that I've seen recently. So there's right. a couple uh, Netflix movies that are in there. And... Mm -hmm. She was in the Six Underground and the Triple Frontier, but also the latest Pacific Rim. There was a couple other things that she was into, um, and she's been fine in those. Yeah, True Detective, that's where I see her from. But uh, nobody that really stands out as, like, this This person's awesome. But but also, every character has been fine. Yeah. Like, just, like nothing stands out like oh that person's awful now i generally really like jared harris he's got a great voice he's he was a bright spot for me in this film just as as an actor I, he didn't have a ton of screen time he had some um but i mean if seeing him as moriarty in the uh 
the films was just kind of nice because he's just got that fantastic that presentation that he's able to pull. Yeah, so he's going to be back for another Sherlock Holmes when they get started on it. Also, I thought they were going to do, they're going to turn that into an HBO Max series. I thought I read that. I'm not sure if that's true or not, hmm, but possible. Um, one of the shows I've watched recently is Foundation, and that's on Apple TV, and that show is really good and he he's he does really he does really good in that one um there's another one on here too chernobyl uh that's on hbo and i've kind of said over and over again that hbo max is essentially my favorite streaming service if you haven't watched chernobyl it's worth watching it's it's good whether it's accurate or not that's its own thing <laughs> that's for sure but right. the actual presentation is pretty good um we talked about seeing tyrese tyrese is in the sum he's not a huge presence in it and that's fine um <laughs> yep. uh, he, he's trying to be a tough guy in this and just doesn't really come off as tough so much as bored um he plays uh, an fbi agent uh the al, al madrigal plays his partner or not fbi sorry um uh detective um Al Madrigal is hilarious. I love this dude. He's he's always funny. He's got great wit. He's he's generally just unbelievably likable in anything that he ever does. Um, and again, another bright spot in the film was any scene that Al was in. I could see that. I, I've seen some of his stuff from The Daily Show, and he's he's pretty good. Yeah, um, Corey Johnson, uh, favorite of the show, uh, was in the Hellboy films and among other things this isn't this is not his first uh comic book film by any stretch is in this very very briefly uh but i had to shout that out just because it was it was so much fun to see him just for it's like is that who i think it is who i think it is oh and he's gone uh, <laughs> yeah he's got to get a mention at least <laughs> right uh but uh yeah and michael keaton uh I love that if you go on IMDb, he is the seventh name down. Only in post credits. <laughs> well, the the thing that confuses me about this is if we look at how the Venom movie is portrayed and we look at the Spider-Man movie that we just discussed and how they appear to be separate realities why is he in this one oh i'll get there uh and obviously um if i hadn't said it already uh, spoilers <laughs> if you plan on watching this film uh first of all i'm sorry uh but second <laughs> yeah and see the, the thing about me having not seen it is one i don't care uh, but two eventually i'm going to be flipping through the headlines on IMDb and there's going to be a headline for an article. I'm not even going to read the article. The headline's going to be there that says this person said this about this movie that they were in. Like, oh gosh, get, get out of here. So yeah. that's how Spider-Man was already ruined for me. Not because I read any stories or watched any YouTube videos at all. I just saw headlines. That's yep. it. Just headlines for articles in on different publications. So it'll get spoiled anyway for me. So generally, at least with this, I don't know if you would agree with this, but with this cast, it's actually a pretty solid cast. But what they basically did is like uh, you're putting together this this meal and you get all these 
pretty decent ingredients for the most part, and then you burn it. <laughs> yeah, you can only you can only cook with the ingredients that you're given, right? Yeah. So, but you can still mess up those ingredients. That's true, and that's what I feel happened. They had some they had some real potential here and just squandered it. Um. So for me, that means a casting of out of twenty points. That would be 12. Because good names, there's still a couple bright spots with the people. Yeah. I, I, it, it it very easily could have been higher, having not seen the movie, but with those faces. And and like we said, there's so many of them that we like that are on there that are that we're familiar with. But, right. Oh, well. Doesn't mean they did a good job. No, not necessarily. Now, normally... Hey there, Pudding People. Don't forget to check us out on our social media accounts so you can keep apprised of everything that we do any time of the day. Richard, you're most on Instagram, right? On the Gram Gram, yes. And what are we best known on Instagram as? Pudding Guys. Easy enough. In fact, that's also what we're known as on Facebook. Now, I'd say we're on Instagram just a little more than we are on Facebook. You might get the occasional update there. We are most active on Twitter, where we are at Real Pudding Guys. Uh, we will give you updates about the next episode that's going to be coming at the end of the week, when it's released, any other little updates to the Ultimate Comic Movie Database or the Pop Culture Death Counts will also be there. Um, now, our most exciting changes are going to be coming up soon. We're going to have a new website called Fate the film and television engine. We're getting close to doing the beta for that. We're still working on the alpha side. We'll be doing a little closed beta and inviting a handful of people into this. I tell you what, it's gonna be really, really cool when it releases. Now you'll be able to also hear about that on our Patreon page. What are we on Patreon, Richard? Budding guys. Pretty easy. Now right now, it's very easy to support us. How much does it cost, Richard? It's $1 per month. Per month. Not per day. Per month. <laughs> yes. $12 <laughs> for a year. Yeah. Uh, that's really not much to help support us as we release new content, as we get better equipment to All right, so that was that was your palate cleanser before we really start getting into things. Now, I'm just going to give scores on these other categories because I'm going to kind of lump this all together after Richard says how he thinks this film should have gone. So I'm just going to tell you right now, costuming and props is 6 out of 10, location is 7 out of 10, and cinematography is 12 out of 20. Well, let me ask you based on those scores, was there a certain – costume element was there a certain cgi presentation that was stronger than others or weaker than others yes so the presentation of how morbius's interaction with his surroundings the way his powers work was solid it actually looked good it was it was actually quite good 
um, and his initial vampiric appearance as he changed was good. Uh, so that did very well in my estimation. And the fight sequences could be good, weren't necessarily. Very um, inconsistent on how it was presented because then we switch over uh, to another individual who had a vampiric uh, countenance, looked awful. Um, and you only got a hint of what his outfit from the comics looked like in the film, which is good. That's smart because it would not have translated well. And I liked the way they did it. It was like part of his suit. And it was almost like a, um, a smoke mist kind of thing as he moved around. It's like, okay, that's, that's slick. Well done on that. But there was a whole segment of a couple of fight scenes where you could only see rubble in front of your face. There was no people, just rubble. Like for a, a long, a fairly long chunk of time. It's like they, who's interested in rubble? Really? And then it, it's going to be at night, so they still fell back into that whole, we're not going to be bright enough, so you can't quite see what's going on in in any real way in some of the sections. So there were some weird choices. Um, some of the locations looked fantastic. Some of them were kind of meh. And there was not a lot of, not a lot of rhyme or reason to it. Yeah. So I see when you said rubble, uh, I was thinking, um, Paw Patrol. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if only that probably would have been more interesting. See him riding around in his bulldozer, (laughs) yellow heart. All right, so let's let's. How do you think this movie would have played out, not having seen the film? Okay, so if I and I'm not 100 percent familiar with the character in general, like specifics uh, in Marvel, I do know that Dracula is a character in Marvel. He is. And he is a vampire and he's got lots of vampire baddies around him. He does. Oftentimes he shows up in a cabal with others. Is Mm -hmm. that correct? Uh, That he is. Okay. So my understanding is that Morbius isn't a true vampire. Correct. He's like a scientifically created one by accident because that is, that is right the the dude was a, a doctor doing experiments and something happened and this is what he became right so i'm guessing in this one and, and i don't know exactly his in the comic books his power sets although he, he's called the living vampire so he's got to have certain elements of a traditional quote vampire, but not all of the elements, right? Correct. So can he like daylight's not a big deal to him? Correct. Um, the bloodlust is there, but not like it is for a traditional vampire. Bloodlust is there almost identical to that of a traditional vampire. Okay. Just for different reasons. Uh, what about the weaknesses? So like what everybody says, like silver and things like that. No, those are for supernatural vampires. Do not affect him. Okay, so my guess is in this particular one, they tried to make it a 
stylistic scientific thing like almost overkill in a certain sense where they try to present it as I've seen the tra the trailers he's sick and he's trying to find a cure for his illness and so suddenly he becomes this vampire uh okay that's that's cool if that kind of follows along the storyline okay it, more or less okay that that's fine um but what is his when he becomes the vampire like what does he get out of it like that that would be my question right mm -hmm. he to my knowledge he's not a bad guy but he's not a good guy either he kind of floats between whatever suits his needs in a certain sense kind of yeah okay um and in this one i'm going to guess they made him a hero in a certain sense yes and the idea i'm guessing on this is that with venom and carnage and morbius and they've already done the stuff for um craven the hunter they're trying to build this whole world of Spider-Man enemies so that they can still do a Sinister Six movie. And I'm wondering if they're going to include him as part of the Sinister Six or they're going to make him a anti-hero, if you will. That's a very good question. So how long is this movie, by the way? Less than two hours. Less than two hours. Okay. Um I get a sense that we don't know what really so what's going or like what the main antagonist is. Why is there an antagonist that's after him? Oh, he's got powers. I want those powers, too. Or is it because the, the whole sense is he's trying to cure whatever ails him. Right. And if you're cured, but now you're the vampire. OK, so then what what are you going to do with those powers? Like that's, I guess, ultimately my question in this movie, right? What's the motivation now that you've been seemingly cured, but there's side effects. I guess that would have been my question in terms of what the plot's going to revolve around. And so they did try and focus in that sort of a way. Um, now I want to preface this. I, this, we're going to kind of dig into the specifics of the plot and what occurred, but ultimately I can boil down the plot to Morbius in about one sentence. Did you see Venom? You've seen Morbius. So clearly just a cut and paste sort of a thing. It, it's, it's frustrating. It's in Venom. One of the problems was who's the bad guy, another symbiote that was being looked at by this other guy that wanted power. Who's the bad guy? Morbius, another vampire that doesn't have the same goodwill. I mean, it's, 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 it's the, the parallels are just staggering in, in, in like it almost wasn't even trying at all. Who were the, who were the writers for this one? And do they have writing credits for, other Sony pictures as well. Well, Matt Sazama and Burke Sharpless are listed as the writers. Now, I have a feeling that this is probably somewhat incomplete. Uh, the uh, 
Mr. Sazama has some credits for Lost in Space, the television series, uh, Power Rangers in 2017, and uh, yeah, okay, we'll stop there. And Mr. Sharpless has, um, they must work together, same stuff. Same, yeah, that's, yes, um, okay. Now, I, my understanding is that this script was passed between multiple people. I'd, this can't be right. I think there were other people that worked on this, unless they just completely trashed what was in the previous versions. My understanding is it passed through at least two sets of hands before it got to them. So they already had a body. They just had to attach some limbs to it, basically. That's my understanding. Now, I could be completely wrong about that. I could be uh, suffering from the uh, the the old age uh, issue of memory deterioration, but... I'm I'm pretty sure that that's accurate. Um, so okay, so let's let let us let us begin at the beginning, where I got my hopes up very briefly. <laughs> so the opening shot is mist rising from the South American jungle, and they're basically coming right into the thing that you see in the commercials uh, that are. Uh, the the teaser for the film where they're taking the chopper down into the jungle and there's a cave full of bats and we better get out of here before it's nightfall. And then the first groan appears like, okay, this okay. Um, they set up the, the net, uh, this kind of metallic door in front of the, the cave. Uh, and he's, I need to pay you tons of money for your, your knife on your belt so I can cut myself and just, sure, okay, that makes very little sense, but whatever. And he sticks his hands through the wires. Now, that's all that are there are wires. What does the door do? It doesn't stop any of the bats that come through. It doesn't tag any of the bats that come through. It doesn't stun any of the bats that come through. It's just a series of strings between two pieces of metal. I, what? Okay, fine, whatever. And then we transition backwards in time to how Morbius became Dr. Morbius. Uh, he had this condition his whole life. Now, first of all, if you're familiar with the, the comic book character, they're going to have to divorce it from the the, the source material because it is so tied to so many different characters, some of which Sony does not have the rights to, some of which they do. Uh, Spider-Man being one of them that they have the rights to. So, of course, they're going to include Spider-Man in that, right? No, no, they're not. They're going to completely divorce that <laughs> from the history. What's our, okay, fine, whatever, fine. So he's, he's got this bloodborne disease as a child and, and he makes friends with another child that has the same bloodborne disease, and he kind of looks after him, and we see the trouble they have because the hospital that they are in is right across the street from a school of bullies that apparently like to make fun of children they can only see from a window on the third story once a day, every day. Could they really have seen them be in any sort of any way? No, not really, but okay, sure, whatever. They're mean and they're made fun of and all that. And it's during this time that the uh, the the doctor that cares over them, uh, played by Jed Harris, um, uh, comes to realize that, that uh, 
young Michael Morbius is, is a genius because when the new kid comes in, they have to have dialysis twice or three times a day or whatever to say that stay alive. Uh, they call it an oil change. So you kind of have to know that it's dialysis. And if you don't know what a dialysis is, you have no idea what they're talking about. But the dialysis machine uh, starts to not work and the kid's keeling over and dying. And he fixes it by taking his pen apart and taking a spring out and removing uh, a fuse and putting the spring in where the fuse is. And, oh, it took a team of scientists to create this device and you fixed it with a pen. It's a fuse. It's not that complicated. He didn't rewire anything. He didn't hook a computer up to it. He created an electrical conduit. That's all that happened there. That's not exactly genius. I mean, it's smart, but it's this this isn't Mozart. But anyway, okay, fine. So that's how they're going to establish that he's really smart and he has to go away and leave his new friend to go to a special school in New York where he will have his intellect flourish. And and be done. Okay. I bet his new friend is the bad guy. No! You think so? Maybe? So, we fast forward back to present day after the thing that happened in the jungle. But they don't tell you it's after this. It's just present day. At some point. We're not sure when. Where he is be being given the Nobel Prize. He's being introduced by the doctor that helped him out. And he goes up to the podium and they cut. Immediately as he goes up to the podium so they can cut to him in a room with a child uh, interacting with another person with the same disease so that you can hear the news story that he insulted everybody and rejected the Nobel Prize because he was a failure. The thing that he got the Nobel Prize for was developing a blood, synthetic blood, basically, that could be used instead of regular blood uh, to help people. But it was he was actually trying to cure himself, but it wasn't a cure for himself. So he was a failure. Sure. That's what happens. Okay, fine. Okay, so I'm I'm we're not like 20 minutes into this film and I am already just starting to to sizzle with annoyance. So this is where we are introduced to the fantastic uh Martine Bancroft, the assistant doctor that tells him he's he would be better served to have taken the uh, Nobel Prize because then they could get more funding for their hospital. Sounds smart. Except you learn that he's being bankrolled by his friend, Milo. Not actually his name. That's how it lists on IMDb. But even in the movie, it says that that's not his name. He just nicknames him Milo because every kid is Milo. They keep all dying on him. Okay, sure. But uh, Matt, uh, Matt Smith's character, Milo, clearly has a lot of money at his disposal that was left to him. And he seems to be somewhat unscrupulous. Or at least his money may not be entirely clean. And he is the... He is the major person keeping this place alive. So really, do they actually need him to get the Nobel Prize to get donors? No. They've got Milo. They don't really. The billionaire. Right. So he's, he's super rich, and they're both dying, and they're still friends, and it's the two of them against the world and all that sort of crap. Okay. So they go through the process. He asks Milo for one more favor. He needs a ship. Uh, because what he's going to try to do is not legal, and they need to do an international waters. All right, fine. Do you really need to do it in international waters? Because the whole purpose is just hiding it. Are you going to tell anybody where it is? Is there going to be a raid that's going to happen in the middle of it? No. Then you don't need a ship in international waters. 
but fine. Uh, this is ship. Yeah, this is a. This is the point at which Corey Johnson's character comes in because he's just basically a thug on the ship. And uh, he's testing the uh, serum out on himself, which, by the way, they did test on one mouse first. Uh, and the mouse died and then came back to life. So they knew it was going to work. And they never thought vampire once when the mouse died and came back to life. Um, even though the source of the genome splicing that they're doing is from vampire bats. But you know, neither here nor there. Okay, sure. I mean, vampire bats don't die and come back to life. No, no, but these are special vampire bats. Ooh. They only exist one place in the world, and and insert mumbo jumbo and things that don't actually make sense to to lend ooh an ah to it. Sure. Um, so he's going to test it on himself because he needs the cure and he's dying and all that sort of crap, uh, and it works. He is sort of cured, but he's insane and uh, locked in a room. And the one guy is being mean to the one lady. And so he breaks out and then uh, kills the guy and drains his blood. And the other girl's knocked out and he leaves her alone. But he decides that he's also going to kill every other person on the ship. Um, now he's in his bloodlust. That kind of matches the comics. He doesn't have complete control at first. However... He's also not really logical at that point. I don't know if he really would hunt everybody down on the entire ship. He would have, I don't know, it seemed a little odd, but okay. He gets his senses back and calls in an SOS so that they can get the ship and and things progress from there. And his friend steals one of the vials that he brings back with him. And I thought they were at least going to do the fun thing where he gets two vials of this this cure that he's made and he puts it back into the into the main um, scientific research area and they very clearly show two vials. At no point do they actually show the other guy take a vial or show that one vial is missing. They, they missed the easiest bit of foreshadowing. Uh, it's just nothing. Just nothing. Okay, fine. Maybe they're trying not to do the same thing that everybody does, but why would you do that if you do the first step and don't do the second step. Yeah, you're already showing that there are two of them there. Right. Okay. So so eventually uh, Dr. Morbius uh, thinks that he accidentally kills a nurse in this hospital. And he gets taken into custody by the police officers who want to talk to him. And Al Madrigal's character brings in a vial of holy water, which is rather amusing at one point. Um, but uh, okay. Eventually, his other friend, pose, his friend poses as a lawyer to spring him out, uh, gives him a blood bag because he knows he's got to be hungry because, you know, they had fought earlier and he said that his friend didn't want to take this cure. This was not going to be good for him. It's a curse. You know, yeah, that's going to work. Um, sure. Um, and basically gives him the blood he needs to bust out of jail and then proceeds to go on a killing spree. And that's, that's the whole plot. That's it. All the rest of it is him trying to stop his friend from killing people. Done. After he killed a bunch of people. Right. Which, I mean, yeah, like I said, the fact that, that Morbius has a harder time controlling himself sometimes, yeah, that, that matches. But just the way they did it, it's just kind of sad. And it's like, oh, I can use the, the synthetic blood I made instead of real blood so I don't have to feed from people. But, 
it's becoming less and less effective, and I only have a few days before I have to start feeding from actual blood every day. And by the end of the film, the lady doctor dies, but doesn't die because there's one last kiss, and she bites Morbius's lip to get a drop of blood, which should not have done anything, but that you see her open her eyes by the end of it. He's not a regular vampire. That should not have done anything. If it's a genetic resequencing, it has to be injected. Okay, no, okay. I The amount of rage that I get from the just drastically inconsistent approach to everything that was done in this is is just so, it's overwhelming. Um, the fight sequences between them as they're kind of warping in and out and kind of flying around, and that actually looked really cool. It was it was nice. It wasn't great fight scenes, but it was interesting until they started busting through pavement and rock. That's when you see rubble, and only rubble. And in fact, there's a big picture or a big shot of the hole in the ground for a while. At one point, nobody cares about the hole in the ground. On top of it, you know how we talked about in other Marvel films where they kind of depower the characters. Uh, and sometimes I feel unnecessarily, but you know, it's, I kind of get it. They went the other direction with Morbius. He is not that strong. If he's fighting another vampire, they are not going to go through like 150 feet of rock and pavement. They are not that strong. Why did you pump up the strength on that character? That's not what makes the character cool. Rebel on the double. Yeah, it's it's just it's just bad all around. Um, so he ends up coming up. It's like, oh, I've got this one. This one thing causes this bad thing to happen. These bats and they die. And it's also lethal to humans. It's poisonous. I'm going to have to give this to my friend. Here's another vial for me because I won't be able to control myself after all of this is done. So, okay, yeah, I get that. He the. The efficiency of, or the efficacy of the blood, the artificial blood is going down and down and down. He's not going to be able to use it. So by the end of the film, especially by the end sequence of the credits, he would have burned all the way through that. And they just let it drop. So what? Is he feeding on people now? Stay tuned. <laughs> Morbius 2. <laughs> it's like, what? Um... Okay, uh, and yeah, okay. So I mean, just it's it's really there are a lot of questions that aren't answered and questions that you shouldn't have to ask in the first place, and it's just it's just not great. Um, so fast forward to the post credit scenes. This is the part with Michael Keaton in it, uh, the first of two. One before the credits really start rolling, uh, and then one after a few of them have rolled. So before the credits start rolling, all of a sudden, <gasps> Adrian Toomes, uh, you see a cut in the sky, the same multiverse thing that we saw from Spider-Man. And then you see Adrian Toomes appear in a cell in the prison uh, or jail that uh, Morbius was in, just out of nowhere. And his only thing is, I hope the food's better here. That's, that's, who are you quipping to? There's nobody in the cell. There's nobody in the hallway. He's just talking to himself. Right. 
And if that's the case, that's what you're going to say? Sure, fine, fine, okay. It, it's a movie. I have to accept that. There's going to be that sort of a thing. And then they go, it's like, oh, they're going to have to release this guy because there's no record of him being in this at all, this prison. Who is this guy? Yada, yada, yada. So why is he there? He, There's no reason from any of the logic that was given in Spider-Man for him to have switched universes. There is zero reason. It makes absolutely no sense. Unless there's going to be something that they're going to try and fix this in Doctor Strange, the the logic that they've laid down, there's no reason he should be in this reality. But he knew Peter Parker. Yeah, sure he did. And when they did what they did, it took people that were already from other universes that knew him and sent them back. Not people that were in this universe to send them to other universes. Well, there was no evidence of that. But hey, anything can happen. So the second after credits is Morbius is seen driving really fast. So he still has a nice car. Okay. Uh, into the middle of nowhere to meet somebody. And who does he meet? Out comes flying the vulture. Full armor. So we're not given a time frame. So I guess if if Toombs was given enough time, he could have built another suit. However, <laughs> the technology that he used was from the Chitauri invasion from the Avengers, which did not happen in this universe. He has none of the equipment. His suit looks identical. He is not the engineer. The tinkerer, tinkerer was, the, was the engineer. So there's no reason to think that he would know how to remake his armor. There's been no indication given at all. This makes, again, zero sense. And it's like, hey, uh, I've been trying to, this is the equivalent, we're trying to get people together. I think uh, uh, the, the group of us should band together for no reason whatsoever. I just saw you on the TV and you have abilities and I, I have a suit of armor and we should, we should be on the same team. Uh, didn't we weren't we supposed to see uh, a scorpion too by chance no it's not in this that was in that was in Venom wasn't it in Venom no he wasn't in Venom when did we see that well like we saw the dude that had the scorpion like tattoos on his neck or his face or something I don't think that had anything to do with anything the dude that plays the scorpion that was in the uh, Spider-Man films was not in the other films I see. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want to have a dude running around with a gigantic tail thing that like sprays acid and yeah, be an odd character to create on screen. So I'm not going to say that there was no plot because there wasn't no plot, but there was so little plot and the plot that was there was not executed well. And in most places did not make sense. And not overly original either. No. Um, so for me, out of 20, that is a 9. Yeah. So, fair. yeah. That gives us a, a 59 as the final score on this when it should have been much higher. It's better than Venom. Venom. I, I will give it that. Uh, because at least in some of the fight scenes, I can see what's happening. That is the only thing. 
that made it better than Venom. Otherwise, it's the same movie. It's not going to make as much money as Venom did, though. No. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 what it is. Uh, and truthfully, again, you know, we often say that we're nitpicking. And in this instance, I don't think I am. Um, but this is just how this hit me. It may be different to you. If you're a massive fan of Morbius, you should definitely let us know on social media. Um, or if you're like some of the uh, jokes that I've seen being <laughs> made at this film's expense, my favorite being uh, somebody showed a picture of a broken window and said, I left two tickets to Morbius on my front seat and somebody broke into my car and left four more. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> I've heard different iterations of that joke before. Yeah. Clever. That, that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> or somebody else had a science like, we had so little faith in you. How did you screw this up? Or, or something like that. Is just, There were a lot of really good ones. And uh, yeah, this is... Greatly disappointing, but even as disappointing it was, not the lowest comic book film I've rated. Not even the second lowest comic book film I've rated. So, you know, there's that. But still, a solid F. Yeah. Uh, don't waste your time on this film.